Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Time. You'll go to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. Coming up this week. Wendia cuts it back and it's yet another goal for Ollie Watkins. And Aston Villa are running away with this. Battered, a little bruised but ready to bounce back. Newcastle humbled by Watkins and Co at Villa. Rachel Lee, right footed, made it look simple. Newcastle's women hit Bradford for six to get promotion pushed back on track. In trouble, loses out to Callum Wilson, who scores? Spurs are raging. And another huge weekend in store for men and women alike. Hello, this is Pod on the Tyne. I am Taylor Payne, and as we enter the final months of the season, it's all starting to get a little bit real, isn't it? Uh, but I've got three lovely chaps here to help me navigate the drama. How are we doing, Chris Woff? Are you all right? I'm a lot better than I was on Saturday evening, yes, having been down in uh, in Birmingham and having watched what we're about to discuss. But yes, mm. I'm 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 feeling very good this morning. Thank you, Taylor. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. Had a lovely day at the uh, the women's game yesterday, so I'm feeling refreshed, ready to attack the week. Uh, how are you doing, Jacob? Are you all right? I'm good, I'm good. Had a weekend where every single one of my teams lost, but <laughs> apart from that... Um, Always fun. It's a new week, at least. It is. And George Colgan's here as well. You're allowed multiple teams, are you? It's multi, multi, multi-sport, multi-sport. Jacob knew that I was coming from this morning, so he's like trying to, to get in there. Is he preempted? He tried to get in there a bit early because spoke to him last week, and obviously he's, Jacob's now... In situ in Newcastle, which is which is great and very exciting, and um, he confessed to me on Saturday as we had the misfortune of watching that match on the television that whilst he was away on holiday, he said, "Oh, I had this this like terrible feeling that Newcastle scored against Man U, and I found myself punching the air, and it's like, oh no, it's like I can't I can't start supporting another team." And I was like, at that moment, I knew, we've I got knew him. we've got him. That's it. We fucking got him. He's in. He's in our grasp. And we will not let go. I think we'll see what's happening next Thursday when it's Everton Newcastle at Goodison. Mm-hmm. And the podcast after that will like lay a lot of things bare. <laughs> but but I, I'd wait until nah, after we've got that you. before you reach we, any firm. As to whether you abandon your current club because they're going to be going down. And so you're just thinking, oh, let's <laughs> sack them off. Yeah. Don't do relegation. Don't do relegation. <laughs> that promises to be a, a, a podcast that you would label too hot for TV uh, and put it on at 10 o'clock on Channel 5. That's what we should do. I've had it said about me before. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, it was the early kickoff, wasn't it, chaps? And as you know, never back the early kickoff. It's always a shit show. Uh, and that's exactly what it was, Chris Woff. It was an absolute shit show. Villa were at us from the start. Watkins, Ramsey, Moreno wreaking absolute havoc down the left-hand side. And Newcastle were out Newcastle, weren't they? There were. I mean, I know that 
how came out and said it and a lot of fans have said it subsequently that Newcastle just weren't at the races and, and sort of they looked so below par but maybe it was because I, maybe if you weren't in the stadium it didn't quite come across on the TV but it was about five minutes in and you just got a sense from the Newcastle players that they were almost shell-shocked by the start that Villa had made. Yeah. That it was, as you said, Newcastle did to Villa... Well, sorry, Villa did to Newcastle what Newcastle have done to so many other sides this season, and that is disrupt their rhythm, be quicker to everything, be physical, uh, be be direct in, in certain ways, target certain potential weak spots to the side, and then other things fall apart on the back of that, and Newcastle just couldn't find a way back into the game. It was... I've not seen a team do that to them. I've not seen a team be that athletic and physical against them and be successful doing it. Brentford went quite direct the week before and that caused Newcastle a heck of a lot of problems, certainly in the first half and in the last 10-15 minutes. But Villa were more pacey. They were they were clever about what they tried to do. But even then, I mean, it was sort of like straight balls, diagonal balls forward towards Newcastle's defence, which they just could not deal with. Yeah. And what I thought was fascinating, I had a conversation before the game with Greg Evans, our Villa reporter, and I'd also had I'd been on a, a Villa fan podcast during the week, and they'd said to me, "If you were playing against Newcastle, what is the one thing that you would avoid doing, or you would you would try and exploit?" And I said, "Well, I would not pass it out from the back, as I know that Unai Emery teams have done since he's arrived at Villa, because Newcastle want to press; mm-hmm. they're getting goals from pressing high and nicking it, and Villa." Of doggedly under Unai Emery, even though it hasn't gone particularly right, done it. But on Saturday, what they did was they got Martinez to beat the first line of the press with his clear out, and Newcastle didn't have anything after that. Once they beat that first line of the press, Newcastle didn't seem to know what to do, and there were gaps all over the pitch, and it could and probably should have been more than 3-0. We spoke last week, George, about Newcastle giving teams chances, big chances, early doors, and I think, what was it, 28 seconds when Aston Villa hit the post, and Newcastle just didn't look right from the kickoff, did they? No, I mean, it is that strange thing. I mean, you know, Chris talked about that sort of feeling within five minutes of it not kind of feeling right, but I had exactly the same feeling at Brentford the week before. Yeah. You know, Brentford should have been 3-0 up at halftime, really. And I had a bit of the same feeling at West Ham in, in the midweek when, you know, West Ham had that incredible chance within the first minute. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether that's a theme or not. It certainly feels like, I mean, it is something that's happened in those last three those last three games, but what's not, what didn't happen um, at, at Villa was that there was no kind of response at all. I mean, maybe briefly at the start of the second half, but I mean, not much of it. And um, but you know, we we also have to take take a step back a little bit and say that's three away, that's the three away games in a row against two of them. You know, very good teams and six points from nine is not a disaster from that. It's just that this is the last one, so it kind of feels it feels dramatic. I think that was, you know, by talking to Chris yesterday and 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 speaking to people who, uh, you know, who watch a lot more of Villa, that was probably Villa's best performance of the season, and it was probably Newcastle's worst performance of the season. Yeah. So put those two two things together, that can happen. I don't think it's a case of of panicking and uh, and you know and all the rest of it, but uh, no, it wasn't fun. wasn't fun to watch because. The one thing you do sort of expect from Newcastle is for there to be a response, and there just wasn't one at all. Yeah, they were struggling, Jacob, to to, to tie a few passes together. They weren't getting out properly. The, the ball wasn't getting down the sides at all. There was no chances being created, and Villa just ran havoc, didn't they? they were, Watkins was all over our back four, and they didn't know how to deal with him. Yeah, I mean, I had a misfortune of watching the goals back again this morning and the other chances, and... Um, I was sort of looking to see if there's any kind of particular individual mistakes, kind of, and 
in a way, I couldn't so much see that. There's just a kind of general passiveness where, take the first goal, for example, it's a brilliant cross, but Byrne doesn't stop the cross. Then when the ball spills out to Ramsey, there's no one from in Newcastle shirt picking it up. It's just a succession of chances like that where just kind of a passivity, which isn't isn't something which Newcastle fans have been accustomed to this season, was just kind of imbued throughout the performance. And I mean, there weren't any changes at half-time, Chris, and we thought there might be, but it didn't take long, did it? And Miggy Almiron and uh, Callum Wilson were introduced. There was a little bit of an uplift at the start of the second half, and Newcastle looked like they were going to try and get back into the game, but it just didn't happen for them, did it? It didn't. I mean, the problem was that Newcastle started to get a few opportunities. Isak had the one way he forced a save from, from Martinez over the bar. Uh, Bruno Guimaraes flicked it over for Miguel Almiron, who hit the side netting. Yeah, but the issue right. was... And I don't, again, I don't know if they came to on the TV. The the game was just so wide open at that stage, and so whenever the ball then came out of the box, Villa were attacking, and Villa just looked dangerous. They looked dangerous every time they went forward in the first half, but in the second half, because of the form that Watkins is in, you thought that this unless Newcastle can get a goal in the next couple of minutes, this is not going to end well for them. Obviously, Watkins gets the goal, which is disallowed marginally for offside. Yeah, but that doesn't deter him, and he, I mean, he he really did give Newcastle's back for a torrid time. I thought that. Trippier was exposed defensively in terms of not having maybe the cover that he would get usually with Longstaff on that side. Yes, absolutely. Joel Linton had his worst performance I can remember in a long, long while. Bizarrely, was very high upfield for large parts of the game, even when Newcastle was struggling. I thought it was very unlike him, and obviously he got hooked early as well, so I don't know if that was something to do with physical output or what it was. But then you had Cher, who, first half in particular, was absolutely woeful. Um, I mean, he just he, he could not deal Watkins in the air or down below, and they just kept on running behind him. Then Botman was dragged out of position because of it. His passing went awry, and then on the other side, weirdly, it wasn't like a lot of teams have done recently, which was to mainly target Newcastle's left-back position, because yeah. they did target the right-back position as well. But then Byrne was dragged so far out of position, as Jacob said, didn't stop the first cross, really was was outmatched by... Well, didn't, didn't really get anywhere near John McGinn for large parts and then I sort of felt for Matt Target to a certain degree when he came on because he came on and he was just as bad but when you when you sort of parachuted into that situation having had so little football yeah. in such a long period of time it's difficult but it just felt like the Premier League's meanest defence as it still is but it feels like after one clean sheet in 12 games conceded three times the first time all season in a single match it feels like it may have come to a natural end where there needs to be a freshen up of the back four. I do feel like next weekend, it just I think that that, that sort of uh, maybe impenetrable feeling that there was previously about that defence is no longer there. And I think just changing it up maybe might just, just shake everyone back into hopefully some sort of form. I think Moreno as well, the Villa left back, had an absolutely brilliant game. It's the most trippery performance that's not a very good word but um <laughs> is the most trippery you're having a you're having a you're having a newcastle at villa park here, Come on, get it, get it. anyway his slippery trippery performance um, <laughs> wow, was okay. sort of why the right hand you know i think that's to some extent why it felt like newcastle's right side was being targeted rather than their left everything went through him as a conduit like it was a really impressive performance from him just to you know, carry on giving Villa their flowers. Uh, yeah, it's an absolutely shocking result. But we're not panicking, George, are we? We're, we're, we've still got a lot of football to play. I mean, we are getting towards the sharp end of the season, but Newcastle still have it completely in their own hands. You know, I think the thing is that the the, the good thing about Newcastle is that that very much felt like 
an exception taken over the course of the season. I think, you know, we also have to accept when when you have a performance like that, when you have a result like that, when your whole feeling is about looking at Newcastle in isolation, then of course it feels very, very disappointing. But bigger picture, they'd won five on the spin before then. Bigger picture, they're still in the top four. It's uh, It's been a brilliant season. We don't want it to slip off. And of course, that's the instant reaction to it you know, that maybe things will go wrong. But um, over the course of, of however many games they've played this season, it's not happened yet. So I would bat them to get a response. I've started to get that feeling now, though. You know how earlier in the year we were saying, oh, it's OK, they'll they, they, they'll do what they do, you know. And if, if, if we finish sixth or seventh or eighth, it's all good, everything's fine. And I'm starting to get that little feeling in my chest now, which says, oh, I really want to do this now. I really, really want to do this now. And, and the Champions League is within our reach. Totally. And it wasn't expected this year, but it feels like it could be there, you know? Uh, and I, and if we don't get it, I'll be, I will be really disappointed now, whereas earlier on the season, I was like, hey, it's a free hit, go for it. Let's enjoy the ride while we're here. But now I'm starting to feel a little bit nervous about this. And as I said at the start of the podcast, it's all getting a bit too real for me now. Um, and a couple of games slip by and you think, have we got it in us? You know, I don't, I don't know, Chris. Maybe I'm just being melodramatic. Maybe I'm entering typical fan mode and starting to get panicky, but I don't know. It feels different now to what it did about six or eight weeks ago. Yeah, and that's only, na- only natural because then it was still sort of like that distant dream, whereas now it feels tangible. It feels yeah. like something that, given the way Newcastle have performed for the vast majority of the season, you feel that up to this stage of it, they'd, they deserve that and you'd like them to, to go on. And I do think they will. I mean, I, I actually said this before the game to a few people last week that I didn't I had thought for a long while Newcastle might get pipped and finish fifth or sixth but as of the last 10 days I've reassessed that right not so much because of Newcastle although obviously they were on a good run before Saturday but more because I don't think that the other teams are good enough I don't think Spurs have it in them to keep going Man United probably will finish in the top four as well Brighton are obviously coming on ahead of steam but I think it might just be just beyond them Villa have probably left a little bit too late so I think that this is no consolation because I am terrible at predictions, but I think that they are going to do it now. I think that they will They will get there. But I understand the alarmist element from Saturday, but I did think, and it wasn't just social media, it was certain people I spoke to, but I did think it was a little bit sort of over the top. They had just won five games as a succession. I know that to a certain degree, elements of the performance were coming. I know that to, to lose 3-0 at Villa Park and really, it should have been five or six potentially. Yeah. Heading into what is now the biggest game of the season, um, left for Newcastle is is a cause of concern, but you've got to remember where they have been all season and what they have been doing, and and this was seemed to be an aberration of a performance, and you can never say that for certain until you get into the next match. But yeah. I'd be shocked if Newcastle were anything like that team that we saw on Saturday next weekend. I think that they will be better for it. I think that at St James's, that's a completely different factor. Newcastle also have five of the last eight games at St James's, which I think makes a huge difference compared to other teams. So yes, it, it was concerning in many ways, but I also think, and I'm speaking ahead of Sunday when I suppose that could change completely, but I think that you have to try and have a bit of a level head about this and realise that this was probably an aberration. Yeah. Just just on that sort of sense of like social media stuff and the re- response and things like that, I don't want this to be about social media, but part of me also sort of kind of defends that. I mean, 
I was at Brentford in the away end the week before, and during the first half, I'm screaming at the pitch. I mean, I'm never abusive <laughs> yeah. towards individual players because that's just not who I am, and I would never boo my team. I would never do that either. But at the same point, there are points in the match when I'm shouting, what the fuck are you doing that for? It's like, cross, you know, cross, shoot, why are you shoot? You know, I'm doing all that. I'm getting angry, and I'm being invested. And so when you see sort of some... I mean, actually watching, you know, looking at the sort of NUFC hashtag during a match is very very funny because it's a bit like being at the match and people responding immediately to bad things happening and uh, you, you know I, I don't condone the abuse of it I think I think the players deserve deserve more than that but at the same time I do understand it because it's that's it is that feeling that you're responding to the sort of instant and you're responding to something bad that happens you know so anyway I just wanted to sort of say that it's you know watching it on Twitter is a bit like being at the match and you know <laughs> Taylor you said you 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 kind of I got really illustrated annoyed. your frustration yeah <laughs> it's yeah, hard because I think that's okay I mean I think part of it is that you feel you know you've got no control as a fan and when you see it slipping away like no. that you kind of go oh come on I know it's so much better than this why is it yeah. why is it going to yeah. shit this much you know during and a, I, during and a game's got, different to 12 hours, 24 off hours afterwards, though. I was more oh, referring yeah, to some of that. Yeah. Like, I've spoken to people subsequently as well. It's not just... Yeah, like, no, I, I agree, don't mean... I, I understand that, yeah. dude. But I also think... No, no. And again, that's been a fact. And I realise I'm trying to do, do it from a semi-objective sort of position that I'm looking at as a journalist trying to analyse the situation. And, and it's supporters aren't rational and that sort that's It's not a rational thing to be a supporter of any sport and following your team. But I do, do think that if you just take a little bit of a step back and, and, and just on the basis of one performance, I don't think you can be too alarmist. No, 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 no. And they deserve the chance to put it right and they deserve our our forbearance and patience because it's, you know, this is an an achievement this season. I agree with Chris. I think at this, and I agree with you, Taylor, at this point of the season, when they've been in the top four, more or less, the entire season to, you know, we're, we're now mid-April, to drop out of it now with seven, eight games left would be would be, you know, would feel very, very disappointing. I'm not sure, though, bigger picture, whether it is a disappointment because, as we've said countless times, the aim this season was top 10, was to do to do better in the Cups. They've, they've done both of those things. You know, I, I'm desperate for this season not to have that, you know, to have that sort of underwhelming feel to it by the end because it's been astonishing. It has been absolutely astonishing. And, yeah, I would certainly have faith both in Eddie Howe and the players to to really respond and push. I mean, I think I assumed earlier on this season that Liverpool would come good. I thought that Chelsea yeah. would come good. I thought Tottenham would be less um, haphazard than they've been and all the rest of it. So this is a massive, massive opportunity. But they've absolutely risen to every single thing that's been put in front of them this season. So I'd back them to do it again. Well, let's quickly just hear from Eddie Howe as well. And he agreed it was probably the worst performance of the season when he was asked after the game. Yes, I think it probably was. We weren't great today. Hugely disappointed in such a big fixture. In all disciplines, we were slightly off our best and we got punished by a very good team. So as I'm sat here now, I'd want to see the game again before making far-reaching assessments of what I've seen because I think the game always looks different and with no emotion. So there were some good bits for us today. I think there were some moments where you think something could could drop for us or happen, but there was no product to our work. So I think it's just a disappointing day we have to analyse, but then move on quite quickly because at this stage of the season with such few games to go, you really want to um, focus on what's ahead, not what's gone. Sometimes these things do happen in football. Sometimes just the, the start of the game, you know, the first attack where they nearly score, I think what can sit the post, that can have a bearing on you know what happens after. So... 
we let the crowd get into the game off the back of that, which was a disappointment. And um, yeah, it was a tough afternoon. I spoke with the players and, and gave my feelings, but um, the main focus is on what our response will be. And we need to make sure that we're not that team again. Sometimes these things, when they happen, can be a good thing because it just reminds everyone of the fragility of performance, really. It's, um, it's a very fragile thing and you have to respect it at all times. I think Brentford, there was probably a reason, uh, a more simple reason that came uh, with the fact that you know, we'd stayed in London and a hectic spell of games. And yeah, so probably you're looking at that and going, I can understand that today was less easy to explain. Um, I respect the group and I respect their attitudes and commitment and what they've given me to this stage of the season. So there's no, um, there's no fallout from that. It's a case of understanding why and then trying to put it right. Interesting listening to that from Eddie Howe, Jacob, isn't it? He kind of mirrors what Kieran Trippier said after the game as well, that Newcastle just have to move on and try and forget about this result and and focus on what's left to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one thing which is quite interesting is that Newcastle this year have been quite a streaky team, and not in terms of luck, but in terms of pattern of results. So at the start of the year, they were drawing loads, then they won loads, then they drew loads again, then they lost a few, and now they've won the last five and lost this. There hasn't been... They seem to go in little bursts of results. Is that and you so, saying we're going to lose against Spurs on Sunday? Is that what you're saying there? Now I'm a supporter, uh, no. <laughs> um, if you were a true supporter, you'd be saying yes to that. But anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll learn, I'll learn. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's what they need to overcome is to avoid that streakiness. And they've done it before, but it's a massive game. You need to do it quickly. I think, I think sort of just going back to what Chris said a bit earlier on about things needing a fresh freshen up I think if you go back to Man U that was a brilliant performance and a brilliant result yeah and I think there have been a few warning signs since then I mean obviously yeah talking about those sort of early chances conceding but you know we have to remember Eddie Howe furious at 2-0 up at West Ham the first half at Brentford and then you know the overall performance at Villa they've done brilliantly to get out of those you know those earlier games with three points but perhaps you know perhaps this is a week to sort of step back a bit to make a change or two to freshen things up to inject a bit of competition in there and yeah they have lost that steeliness at the back yeah so again i think it's the stats would be interesting has it has any other team changed fewer players in the in their back five this season I don't know the answer to that, but you, you, you can't imagine that many teams would have been so solid at the back. They've been absolutely brilliant. Those players, they've been up, you know, they've been astonishing, all of them um, uh, to a man, you know, absolutely, including Dan Byrne, who's who's played all season in a kind of unfamiliar position to a more not his natural position but yeah maybe it's time to freshen things up a bit uh yeah right then there plenty more spurs chart later on uh but before we have a quick break get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash newcastle pod and pick up a subscription to the athletic and pay just 1.99 a month for your first year we'll be back in just a tick Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So, uh, 24,000 Geordies look to put Saturday's disappointment behind them by heading to St. James's Park to support the women's team uh, where they face Bradford in a must-win game in the FA Women's National League Division 1 North. Castle United who were led out by their goalkeeper and skipper Grace Donnelly as they play at St. James's Park for only the third time in their history. Here comes the Newcastle corner. Georgia Gibson right-footed in-swinger to the back post headed into the top of the net. And the goal that Newcastle United wanted to get themselves going today has arrived. It looks like it might be Beth Guy. Gibson outswinging corner. They scored from their last one. And they've scored from this one. Charlotte Potts and Newcastle have managed to double their lead. The second 45. Newcastle looking for more goals because goal difference is uh, possibly what will count at the end of the season Rachel Lee with support on the right side options to the left as well she's gone over the top for Gibson keepers off her line Georgia Gibson saved she's got the rebound and puts it into the back of the net Georgia Gibson has scored three in three at St James's Park great cross swung in this is Elson oh that's got to be a penalty and it is Rachel Lee right footed made it look simple and Charlotte Potts sends the free kick from halfway into the box keeper comes and misses it and Newcastle United have goal number five and is it Beth Guy again with a header plenty in the middle on the six yard line it's high towards the back post Donnelly's lost it and it's gone in straight in from the Bradford City free kick set pieces have been Excellent today, another corner, Newcastle header, and they've got goal number six, and they have restored their five-goal advantage, and Charlotte Potts has got her second of the afternoon up from the back, Newcastle United six, Bradford City one in the 85th minute. And as it's kicked up towards halfway, the final whistle is blown. Newcastle United's women remain second in the table. Six one victors, George. What an afternoon. It was a blinder, wasn't it? Brilliant. Just so good to see so many people there and it was a huge match for them, arguably the biggest they've had at St. James's when they've played there. They absolutely needed to win, and my goodness, they got a win. I mean, Bradford did get a goal. I have no idea how that happened, because I can't remember them crossing the halfway line at any point during the match. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were they were terrible, but at the same time, Newcastle absolutely did what they had to do. Yeah. Clinical, they were all over them. And yeah, I mean, really good. I was, I was. Um, in fact, we were all there apart from Chris, who you know absolutely uh, needed some needed some time to recover in a darkened room after <laughs> being at Villa the day before. But yeah, you know, I, I, it's just great to see so many kids there. 
loads of girls, loads of young women as well, and families. Yes. And we know it's very difficult for people to get in to watch the men's team at the minute, but at the same time, you don't want to. Uh, you don't want to have a generation of people missing out. You've got to get the club under people's skin, and it's just really good. It's really good. And, uh, yeah, after a... After a very disappointing late equaliser the week before, it was just a it was just a really good response to that. It was a really lovely atmosphere inside St James's Park, Jacob, wasn't it? Me and you had a little uh, a little chat beforehand, and the the PA system was blaring over the top of our conversation, so we couldn't really hear each other. But I noticed there was an awful lot of younger people in there, a lot of families, probably a lot of people who it might have been their first ever experience at St James's Park, and it was great to see, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was great to see. Like the amount of tiny kids waving flags about 10 times the size of them and sort of <laughs> swaying yeah. in the wind as they tried to hold one up um, was a really nice sight to see. It's really nice actually at the end as well, all the players very much like interacting with yes. everyone after, like really nice. It's like a community feeling at such a big stadium, massive crowd. No, it's lovely. Yes, it was it was really, really lovely. Uh, and 2 0 up at half time as well. And they probably should have been a bit further in in front. Um both goals coming from uh, from corners, uh, headers and and uh, it was it was it was a great atmosphere inside the ground when the ball went in the net, there was a lot a, a big roar from the crowd, is that exactly as you would expect. It was great fun. Everyone seemed to be up for the game as well and they've said as well in the past that the team have got a, a real style of play and they're trying to play the same way as the men's team do and they've got the same approach uh, and there was definitely that physicality and that intensity there in the play wasn't it? Yeah no totally and you, you sort of mentioned that physicality and all the rest of it I mean I think that's one thing that that, that Becky Langley has been very keen to do she's spoken a lot obviously to, to, to Dan Ashworth but also to Eddie Howe and the idea is that you know that this is a that this is a sort of uh, you know that this is a club f- philosophy about you know I think that idea of intensity, that idea of of being you know playing playing really good front footed football, but doing it with a you know with a level of aggression and and feistiness that that you know that whole mantra of intensity is our identity that's deliberate, um, and I think also you know that's 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 part of what they faced this season. They're now Newcastle are now seen. Uh, you know, because of the relationship with the with the club as a whole, they're part of the club. Other teams see them coming, and you know they 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 sort of have to have that kind of mentality. I think, yeah, really good. And you know, this is this is just the start of the something. This this is the fourth tier. I mean, to have a crowd oh, the size that it was in the fourth tier is just is brilliant. And you hope that these people will stay involved. It's a bit less glamorous at Kingston Park, but I love the atmosphere at Kingston Park during matches. And the idea is that the club rises and grows and, um, you know, hopefully this, you know, hopefully Newcastle become known for the passion of their support at at, at this level and with the women's team just as much as they are for the men. But, um, yeah, games like this, I just think they're... They're really good. There's no, there's no negative to them, is there? And it was two 0 at half time, uh, but more goals were an absolute necessity given the goal difference situation at the top of the table. And Becky Langley had a plan for that. I think, with regards to the goal difference, I think it was really important that we obviously kicked on and make sure it was a high-scoring game. But we didn't want to ensure that the focus wasn't taken away from actually winning the game and gaining three points. So for the first half, we just focused on can we get a two to three goal cushion. And then from then on, then we'd start getting the ball back as quickly as we could to the centre circle and, and go from there. So brilliant, we scored six. I'm frustrated in the first half. We didn't convert some more of those chances. I think we entered the final third about 17 times in the first half. Um, 
which again we have people doing the stats to ensure we're really fully informed on everything we're doing. So yeah, we're disappointed in that, disappointed in the fact we've kept not kept a clean sheet. Um, but yeah, overall dominant performance, and we'll, we'll just celebrate that now. Lovely stuff. Uh, Durham Sestria have one game left uh, and goal difference now equal on plus 33. Uh, Newcastle United with two games in hand, obviously. Uh, despite Bradford's consolation, it's a fine result, isn't it? And, and probably should have had a second penalty as well with a what well, an absolutely disgraceful tackle in the box. What One of the Bradford players getting away with a botman there, Jacob. It was a, I'm not sure how they didn't give a penalty for it, but it was an awful tackle. Yeah, I sat next to the analysts and impressed from both sides. And it was one of those where you just see sort of one lot go up, the other lot turn around and give them absolute daggers. <laughs> I, I was too far away. Maybe maybe she got a toe on the ball. I don't know. But uh it was a cruncher. It was an absolute cruncher. Uh, Jacob, you were in the uh, the manager's post-match press conference and there was a special mention for Anna Soulsby and Rachel Lee who missed the previous games at St James's Park with knee injuries and Langley was delighted for those two uh, and made reference to the team's injury problems earlier in the season as well, didn't she? Yep, and both of them were really good as well. Soulsby's delivery was brilliant throughout. There's one cross she put in from the, from the uh, right-hand side which Barker converted, given offside, but was an absolutely delicious ball. Lee scored a penalty, and then after was running around on the pitch with uh, who I presume was her daughter. Um, and yeah, I mean, Langley talked about the impact of injuries, about how before they were taken over by the football club that they weren't able to afford uh, surgeries and how Anna Salisbury had waited six months for her ACL to be repaired wow. and was now come back to play in this game. And just it's kind of that, Backstory, which means that these events are such significant moments for for the women's team. And Charlotte, Charlotte Potts at the back, I thought she was she was astonishing Superb, as well. Yeah. I mean, scored goals, but proper marauding centre half, getting forward at every every opportunity. Yes, another thing which I which I noticed as well, which I really enjoyed, was as the players were warming up, some of the subs were warming up. They were waving to their families in the crowd, and you could just see the pride on some of those parents' faces who were watching their girls playing at St James's Park. It was it was a lovely, lovely moment. Uh, another lovely moment as well, George, there was a presentation at halftime uh, for the development side, the winners of the FAWNL reserve plate with a 100% record. Uh, Amanda Staveley on the pitch there, Miradad Gadusi there standing next to her, and that was a nice moment as well. Yeah, and it was very, very noticeable how, how Amanda Staveley in particular was you know, was absolutely engaging with the ind- individual members of that team, talking to them, hugging them. She obviously knew them. Yeah. She obviously knows them. And we know how much they're invested on the on the women's side of the team, and in particular, how much she is. So that was kind of good to see. And yeah, it's not just about the first team, is it? It's about all levels. And it's about, you know, she she, she in particular, and, you know, hopefully all of us would sort of recognise the importance of encouraging participation from women and young women 100% yeah playing the game but also you know coming into the stadium um and and feeling feeling part of it there too so no really really good and what an you know what a fantastic achievement for them fantastic absolutely and no doubts about the job for a Newcastle United as well win the remaining games and we're up all three are away from home with Leeds first this coming Sunday at 2 p.m. yeah that's right it's uh, it's it's three yorkshire yorkshire trips it's a pretty brutal way to end the season and the last game is at Barnsley and Barnsley a third so it's a tough end to the season but come on they can do it they can do it absolutely uh, right we'll be back in a little bit to talk about that Spurs game see you soon
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So Spurs being Spurs, they followed up the Newcastle defeat at Villa with an agonising home loss to Bournemouth conceding a winner in injury time and having just equalised. Manchester United did take advantage, comfortably beating Nottingham Forest, but it's still very much 3-2 for the Champions League spots. Uh, the squad is pretty close to full fitness, Chris. You would say Alan Maximan, what's going on with him? I know there was a lovely little video of him running along a pier in France, which looked quite idyllic. What's all that about? Just before coming on that, I don't agree that it's three into two. I think that... How many I do think you think that, it is? Well, I think that Brighton is certainly have to be considered. I mean, Brighton have two games in hand, albeit they are... Uh, I think seven points behind. Well, I'll tell you but what, Chris, why don't also, you write the fucking links next also, week? Yeah? Ask, why don't you introduce ask, this podcast? Ask, yeah. Why don't you six do points it, Chris? Behind, I haven't played yeah. a game more, but I, I don't think that it is. I, I've said I think that Newcastle will finish the Champions League, but I just, wanted to, I just wanted to follow back on that because I don't think that's true. Anyway, when it comes... Always a nugget of shit with Chris, isn't it? Always. Chris, Chris wants to introduce the podcast. <laughs> yeah. He wants to answer the yeah. questions. He wants to sing the theme tune. Yeah, write the theme I mean, tune, what else? Yeah. What else do you want to do, Chris? Yeah. Come on. We've heard my singing previously. I don't think we want that again, do we? Definitely not. But uh, in terms of Alan Saint Maximan, yes, he was out in France, weirdly with a dodgy hamstring, showing himself sprinting along, uh, along the, uh, the French Riviera. <laughs> but um, he returned. He was in France last week with a member of Newcastle's fitness staff. He returns to Tyneside at some point this week. I think there's a chance he will be involved next weekend. I do think Newcastle have missed him. I think certainly in home games like this as well, he's shown that he gets up for the games against the very biggest teams at, at St. James's, those really yes. huge occasions, and he gives that ability to, to do something, to create something out of nothing, to give that ingenuity in the final third, which Newcastle probably lack. Miguel Almiron returned early from injury yep. on Saturday, which was hilarious because as soon as Eddie Howe was asked post-state national break, whether Miguel Moron might return early, and he said, "No, I'm pretty sure he's going to be out for the full six weeks." You knew for a fact that Miguel Moron was going to be back in. <laughs> and lo, lo and behold, Miguel Moron not as smoke and mirrors as what he thinks, is it? Let's be honest. He returned two weeks before ahead uh, of schedule, and I think he has a decent chance of maybe pushing his way yeah. back into the eleven. Obviously, still Newcastle's top goal scorer, very good at leading the press. And so that gives an additional option there because I do think that that maybe in the last couple of matches Newcastle's wide options haven't looked very deep, mm-hmm. they haven't looked like they've got a lot. Suddenly they're looked they've looked a bit thin on the ground and, and lacking a bit of inspiration in the final third. So yes, so beyond that we also had tonsillitis for sure. Longstaff 
he um, was deemed fit enough, not not fit enough to start on Saturday. But I would have thought after after a full week he'd be back and hopefully at least bordering on getting close to to full fitness because he, he his energy and his ability to get around the pitch I thought was missed at Villa Park. Yeah, there was talk, Jacob, wasn't there, about how that impacted Bruno Guimaraes in the midfield as well, not having Sean Longstaff alongside him. Bruno got swarmed. Um, I guess. I mean, we we said earlier that. Jellington struggled and with the fact they kind of bypassed that press I mean with Murphy and Gordon we should have had quite pressing wingers but that wasn't present and so he was having to firefight everything and yeah no dice. George with Anthony Gordon as well it's an interesting one he was he was one of the players who made way early obviously we saw his reaction at Brentford to being substituted uh, do we think he's got another start in him under Eddie Howe or do you think maybe he'll he'll be put aside now that answer maximum might be back? Yeah, it's a very interesting one because I don't think anybody who played really did themselves a favour. It was a good match to miss in that sense. You know, I think some people would have argued that Sean Sean Longstaff might have been due a rest. He misses it and suddenly you think, oh no, we, we missed him. Yeah. I think it's one of those games. I think nobody's position should be safe, probably barring Nick Pope after a game like that. I thought that Gordon helped change the game at Brentford along with Wilson, Wilson more so, and... I don't think we saw enough from, from him um, at Villa, albeit it was a bad team performance all round. Chatting with Chris in the pub after the match yesterday, he sort of making the point about how raw Gordon still is. And I think I think that that was a you know, that's the right assessment. I think he is. I think he's gonna get better. I like his energy and all the rest of it. But um and I think it's something that Jacob might look at for us this week um as well. So not not a convincing performance, but also it's very difficult to judge him or indeed anybody on that. I mean, I think all the mainstays in the team. I don't think Jill, I don't think um, Willock had a good game. I don't think, you know, really, I don't think anybody had a good game. No, and Chris, prior to this season, we'd only won one of the ten meetings between Newcastle and Spurs. But that game in August, in the pissing down rain, uh, was when we started to get the ball rolling, wasn't it? And there's a sense that tactically Spurs are a good fit for Newcastle. Well, yeah, I mean, there certainly seemed to be the case. Down at Spurs, when Newcastle again, the high press really worked. The mistakes they forced from Loris and uh, Almiron also won the ball out wide to to uh, sorry Longstaff won the ball out wide for Almiron's goal. Yeah, and Newcastle were excellent there. That was one of their best performances of the season. Probably the first time where you suddenly thought actually this this Newcastle side could go far if they if they can maintain anything like consistency from this. Spurs. At St James's, have had a decent recent record. After years, have been pretty poor. But I just think the as I said earlier in the podcast, I think the St James's Park atmosphere and the fact Newcastle have five home games makes such a difference. This feels like I think it's 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 certainly a must not lose for Spurs. But I think it's a borderline. They need to win it in terms of to come to St James's to 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 read just the fact that they lost mm. those three points at home to Bournemouth. Uh, last weekend they come to St James's and head to head Newcastle already have a game in hand they've got a far superior goal difference as well so that's essentially like another point yeah and I, and I do think that that in a perverse sort of way maybe the best thing for both sides both Newcastle and Spurs was what happened to them in terms of for this game was what happened to them the weekend it's walking both sides up and they know how huge an occasion it is but I just think the St James's Park factor will be the difference yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we have to look back at the at the Manchester United game, you know, from a Newcastle perspective to see what is needed and also to show what's possible. 
That was such a good, strong, convincing performance. It was brilliant in the stands. Everybody on the pitch was totally up for it. Everybody understood what was at stake. Yeah. Everybody was together and united, and it was it was just a magnificent occasion, and I would expect it to be the same. And, you know, Tottenham are there to be beaten before the Bournemouth match. They, they had beaten Brighton, but then before that, they could only draw at Everton, they could only draw at Southampton. I don't think they're a good team. And then after this weekend, they've got games against Manchester United and then Liverpool. Yes. So this could be the start of sort of finishing them off. I think that's the way Newcastle have to approach it. They've had a really bad performance and result, but this is absolutely the kind of occasion that focuses minds. And they've, you know, they've shown this season that when they really need to, they can get a good result against teams who are up there. Well, there is absolutely no doubt it is a massive, massive game and a positive result would put Newcastle United in the driving seat for those Champions League spots. Uh, let's finish things off, chaps. Thank you very much for your time. Chris Worf, lovely to talk to you. Uh, likewise, yes. Uh, I enjoyed this. It was very good. Other than talking about it, basically I felt it was about therapeutic after what, it'd be, after what everyone threw on Saturday. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Jacob, thanks a lot for your time, man. Good to see you. Thank you. Nice to actually speak, unlike our experience yesterday at uh, St. James's Park. You could have said anything to I me. I said some horrible things. I've never liked you, Taylor, from the day I met you on the podcast. And I would have just went, yeah, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thanks, George. Thanks a lot for your time. Look, I tell you, I tell you, honestly, you know, we're still in the top four. We're still fighting for the Champions League. And, and Tottenham, you know, they, they've still got to go to Man... Man United, no, they don't. They've got to play them at home. But yeah, come on, let's have a bit of positive. Absolutely. Let's. Um, it's been a brilliant season so far. With one more push, and Newcastle are there. Wonderful stuff. Well, thanks very much, everyone out there for listening. That is it from Pod on the Time. Get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod and pick up a subscription to the Athletic and pay just one pound ninety nine a month for your first year. That's it. Have a lovely week. Take care. We will speak to you again after that Spurs game. Speak to you. Bye bye. Athletic.